Hey everyone, my name is Jordan. My wife Kristen and I are the lead pastors here at Harbor Church in Sarasota, Florida. And right now we're in kind of the peak of what is in my opinion, the best time of year. For me, there is no other time between kind of that fall through new year time of year. In fact, it starts for me that first weekend in November with fallback. Now, I know that I'm in the minority here. I know that most people don't like this time change, but there's something about it that I just love. I, I, I like the light in the morning. I even actually like the darker evenings. Call me crazy, but I think maybe living in Florida, the weather doesn't really give us a signal of the season change. And so at least the time change reminds us that it is a new season. The time change reminds us that it is officially that time of year, my, my favorite time of year. It's followed quickly by my favorite holiday, which is Thanksgiving. And then we're in the Christmas season, and, and who doesn't love Christmas? There is no better time of year. And then to top it off, we head into New Year. Now, I think the New Year is really an underrated holiday. I know we celebrate it. I know there's Times Square, but in the mix of Thanksgiving and Christmas, it, it kind of tends to get lost. But it's a new start. It's a fresh year. It's, it, it's why we all begin our New Year's resolutions. It's why we all set new goals. There's something about something new that brings a new momentum into our lives. And this is why when we say yes to following Jesus, we are made new. The, the Bible says we are a new creation and there should be a new momentum that following Jesus brings into our lives. And here in Florida, we know that momentum can either be helped or hindered by the conditions that it encounters. Every fall, we watch as hurricanes head into the Gulf and into our region, and, and we wonder what kind of impact are they going to have? What kind of impact are they going to have once they actually reach their destination? And we know that if a hurricane encounters warm water and clear weather, well, we may be in for it because that causes that hurricane to gain momentum and have increased impact. But we also know that if a hurricane encounters cool water and if it encounters wind shear, that those things diminish its momentum and diminish its impact. And the same is true for you and me. Our momentum can so easily be either stifled, either diminished, or it can be increased by the conditions that we are exposed to. And when we make that decision, when we say yes to following Jesus, the Bible begins to use the language of momentum. The Bible uses phrases like from glory to glory and from strength to to strength. It's this language of momentum. See, following Jesus should bring us to a place where greater obstacles just become greater opportunities for victory. But so often, if you're like me, maintaining momentum is difficult. In fact, we're at the time of the year where we're excited about the new year, but in some ways, we're sometimes sort of limping towards the finish line. 
Like if you're like me, you might be looking back at the resolutions that you had for 2021 and you're realizing that you fell short of the goals that you set at the beginning of this year. You fell short of the things that you wanted to accomplish. See, so often we start a new year feeling like this is going to be the year. This is going to be the year that we lose that weight, that we start that business, that we accomplish that goal, that we read that number of books, that we eat healthy. And then we find ourselves here in late December just hanging on for dear life and waiting for that new year to just try it all over again. So the question becomes, how do we sustain momentum in our lives? And I think as followers of Jesus, we should be examining how can we sustain the spiritual momentum that we have when we say yes to Jesus? And this is seen so clearly in the life of David in the Bible. See, David is someone who it seems like has unparalleled momentum. It seems like every time we meet David, he's getting a new promotion. He's winning a new battle. This is a guy who starts out as a shepherd and ends up as a king. And when we first encounter his story, you wouldn't think that David is going to be the kind of person who ends up being a king. You wouldn't think that he's going to be the kind of person who ends up being the ruler of a nation. Because when we first encounter him, David is a shepherd. And where we're picking up the story today, David is a shepherd who finds himself at battle. He's not in battle, he just shows up at a battle because his brothers are in battle. His brothers are on the front line of a battle, but I guess David was not invited because David is at home with his father, still tending his father's sheep. And his father sends him on an errand to basically take food to his brothers who are at battle. And so he shows up and when he shows up on the scene, something is happening in that moment. We pick up the story in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 4, where it says this, A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like that of a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. They were dismayed and terrified. Now, this is the king, and this is his army. They are afraid of this giant who is taunting them, who is kind of laying down this ultimatum, saying, if you can find just one man who can defeat me, we will all become your servants. Now, this is actually a pretty good deal. I mean, only one person has to go to battle, and if he is successful, an entire army becomes their servants. And yet, the Bible says that Saul and his men were dismayed, and they were terrified. But in this moment, David steps up and he believes that he can beat this Philistine. 
And word starts to spread through the camp and David's brothers begin to doubt him and they begin to talk amongst themselves. But as word spreads that there is this young shepherd who thinks he can beat this giant, the king summons David. He wants to hear from this person who believes that he can beat this mighty warrior that an entire army is fearing, that an entire army is afraid of. And so Saul summons David and, and he, he inquires of where he's getting this confidence that maybe he could be the one to defeat this warrior. And, and listen to what David says in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 32 through 37. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a boy and he has been a fighting man from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. Now on its face value, that is not a great resume. He's talking about going to fight this incredible warrior that an entire army is fearing. And his resume is, well, I've been keeping my father's sheep. Not I've beat a giant like this before, not I've been in a battle like this before, but no, I've been keeping my father's sheep. But he goes on to say, when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Now, I often read Saul saying, go and the Lord be with you as go and the Lord be with you because you're gonna need it because you're going to need all the help you can get. But see, what was it about David that gave him the confidence to believe that he could beat this giant when no one else in battle believed they could? See, I think David had an understanding of the momentum that was on his life. David had the confidence to face Goliath because he was conscious of the momentum that he had. He, he says, I beat a lion and I beat a bear. And if God brought me through those, God will bring me through this. If God brought me through the lion, if God brought me through the bear, he can bring me through a giant. See, sometimes we just have to recognize the momentum that is on our lives, that the giant that we're facing that is in front of us right now is really no different than the things that God has already brought us through. And that is what David recognizes. And I love in this moment that David is actually stepping into a new level of confidence, a new level of courage. Because see, that lion and that bear, they came for David. They came after David and he responded. But in this moment, David goes after the giant. David doesn't have to be in this battle. He's just delivering food. He wasn't invited to the fight. And yet he shows up and says, I'm the one who wants to step into this moment and defeat this giant. See, that's what spiritual momentum will do in your life. Spiritual momentum will take you from avoiding conflict to stepping confidently into conflict, knowing that God is on your side, knowing that if God brought me through the lion, if God brought me through the bear, he can bring me through the giant. 
And I think for some of you today, you may be facing a giant that it seems impossible. You may be facing a situation that seems impossible. But for those of you who have been following Jesus, you may need to just take a moment to remember the times that God has brought you through in circumstances that you thought seemed impossible. And this one may seem bigger, but you need to realize the momentum of the small victories in your life. See, David went after this battle in confidence. He turned to pursue his enemy. And David, who went on to write many of the Psalms, reflects that confidence of pursuing his enemy in those Psalms. Listen to what he writes in Psalm chapter 18, verses 37 through 42. He says, I pursued my enemies and overtook them. I did not turn back till they were destroyed. I crushed them so that they could not rise. They fell beneath my feet. You armed me with strength for battle. You made my adversaries bow at my feet. You made my enemies turn their backs in flight, and I destroyed my foes. They cried for help, but there was no one to save them. To the Lord, but he did not answer. I beat them as fine as dust borne on the wind. I poured them out like mud in the streets. See, David's confidence comes from knowing that he is the momentum of God on his side. He's saying here the same thing he said to Saul, which is, God is on my side. So I know that if God brought me through the battles that he's brought me through, he'll bring me through this battle as well. He'll lead me to fight this giant as well. At this moment in his life, David seems unstoppable. I mean, he just seems on this upward trajectory of winning every battle, of receiving every promotion. And in 2 Samuel chapter 8, we get this list of enemies that David has defeated. And it begins by saying, and David defeated the Philistines. And see, Goliath was a Philistine. And so I think it's important for us to remember that David defeated a Philistine before he defeated the Philistines. See, we should never underestimate the small victories in life. When we kick that bad habit, when we pay off that debt, when we restore that relationship, see, the small victories are what ultimately lead us to win the large battles. And that's where David is in this moment. His victories go on through chapter 8, through chapter 9, and through chapter 10, and then we reach chapter 11. And it's there that we're reminded that just as a hurricane can have its momentum diminished by the conditions that it is exposed to, our lives can have our momentum diminished by the conditions that we're exposed to. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 1 through 5, it says this, In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him, and he slept with her. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. See, what we see is that after chapter after chapter of David experiencing victory, suddenly he falls into sin and he begins to experience defeat. And that happens to us in our own lives is that when we begin to fall into sin, often our momentum stalls. 
We begin to experience defeat in other areas of our lives. And so I think it's important that we pay attention to the conditions that led to David falling into this sin. So as we step into 2022, as we have this new opportunity for a fresh start, for new momentum, if we're going to sustain that momentum, I think there are really four factors that we see in David's life that contributed to the diminishing of his momentum. And these are things that you and I should pay attention to in our own lives. As we begin to see these things show up in our own lives, we should realize that perhaps they're contributing to the diminishing of our momentum and the diminishing of our impact. And the first one is this, is that you're idle, that you've become idle. You're no longer in motion. See, in verse one, it says, in the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. Now, this was, as the verse says, springtime where kings go off to war. David was a king. David should have been in battle. In fact, battle was the place where David was experiencing victory. Battle was the place where David had momentum, and yet he chooses to sit one out, and all of a sudden he's experiencing defeat. See, I think some of us may be sitting out from the very battle that would maintain our momentum, but we've chosen to sit out. We've chosen not to go into battle. And when David becomes idle, his mind kind of starts to wander. And and if you want to sustain the spiritual momentum in your life, you have to keep moving. You cannot become idle. Because what happens when you become idle is kind of the next factor that contributed to David's diminished momentum. And it's that you begin to entertain unhealthy curiosity. You begin to entertain unhealthy curiosity. See, in verses two and three, it says, one evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. And listen to this, David sent someone to find out about her. He just sent someone to find out about her. He just inquired about her. See, what ended in adultery began as curiosity. And so many times in our lives, affairs and addictions and all kinds of harmful behavior begin with just let me find out a little bit more about. Let me just inquire a little more about. Let me just walk a little ways down this road. See, we know it's not good for us. We know that we'll never actually fall into the lifestyle. We know we'll never actually become the kind of person who fill in the blank. But if we could just satisfy our curiosity a bit, if we could just send someone to find out more. See, in order to maintain our momentum in 2022, in order to maintain our spiritual momentum, we have to keep unhealthy curiosity in check. The third factor that will diminish your momentum is when you find yourself fighting your allies. You're fighting your allies. See, Uriah was a part of David's army. He fought for David. 
But once David discovers that Bathsheba is pregnant, he sends Uriah to the front lines of battle and pulls back his men to ensure that Uriah will be killed to cover his own sin. David finds himself fighting the wrong battle against the wrong people. He's fighting the very people who fight for him. And if in your own life you find yourself fighting the people who have been your biggest cheerleaders, you find yourself fighting the people who have been your allies, they've been in your corner, the odds are that you need to check your own motives, that you need to check your own actions. Or else you may find yourself where David found himself. See, David moved from destroying his enemies to destroying those who were fighting for him. And the fourth factor that contributed to David's stalled momentum is that he was just carrying too much weight. He was carrying too much weight. He was carrying around the weight of this sin, of what he knew he had done. He had committed adultery. He had committed murder, essentially, on Uriah. And he's carrying this around. And he begins to make decisions out of guilt, out of shame, out of living in hiding. See, momentum actually becomes dangerous when you're carrying too much weight. Uh, when I was a teenager, I led worship at this camp in Alabama, and we packed up all of our gear and everything we had in a big trailer, and we were pulling it with a truck, coming down a mountainside under pretty bad weather conditions, and the roads were wet, it was raining, and we kind of came around this big corner where we were supposed to turn, and we tried to turn, but instead, the trailer that we were pulling pushed us over the edge of the mountain and we crashed into a tree that the trailer we were pulling accordioned around the outside of the truck and just completely crushed it. And we were lucky to get out of it alive and really uninjured. But what we found out was that the trailer that we were carrying was actually too heavy for the truck that was pulling it. And so we thought that we had control of the truck because we had control of the steering wheel. And yet when push came to shove, the trailer was actually determining our direction because it had the heavier weight. And for some of you, your life's direction is being determined by the weight that you're carrying. You're making decisions out of the weight of guilt and shame that you're carrying. You're making decisions out of the weight of the sin that you're carrying. But the good news for you and the good news for David is that we serve a God who will take that weight from us. And a few verses later, David's sin is exposed and he sees it for what it is. And he kind of cries out, I have sinned against God. And when he reaches that place of repentance, when he reaches that place of releasing that weight, the momentum turns back into David's favor. And he still has to face the consequences of some of the choices that he made. And he still has some sorrow to walk through. He still has some difficult situations to navigate. But the truth is that David would become a victorious king again. That David would actually become known as a man after God's own heart. This same David who was an adulterer. This same David who was a murderer. A man after God's own heart heart. See, that's good news for you today. That's good news for me today, that if you will acknowledge the weight that you're carrying, if you will acknowledge that sin, if you will acknowledge that guilt, if you will acknowledge that shame, if you will make the decision that you don't want to carry into 2022 the weight that you've carried in 2021, and maybe you've carried it for many years before now, but now's going to be the time. 2022 is going to be the year that you no longer carry that thing that's weighing you down. 
but because you may not even realize what is setting the direction of your life. You may not even realize what is pushing you in the direction that you are going. And the good news is that in Matthew chapter 11, verses 29 and 30, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, the good news is that what Jesus puts on you is never weight. It's never heavy. His, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. But you have to make the decision to let go of the things that are weighing you down, to let go of the things that are currently driving the direction of your life. And I hope that as we head into this new year, you'll make the decision to do that. I hope that if you are a follower of Jesus, but you've still been carrying around the weight of your past, you've still been carrying around the weight of the sin and shame in your life, of the bad decisions, of the places that you missed the mark. I hope that you will hear in David's story that this man who was an adulterer, this man who was a murderer, became a man after God's own heart. That, that, that if you will make the choice to let go of the things that are weighing you down, that you too can be a man or a woman after God's own heart. And if you're watching this today and you've never made the decision to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, I hope you'll make that decision today. I hope you'll make the decision to surrender your life to Jesus because he will take your sin, he will take your guilt, he will take your shame, he will take the weight that you're carrying from you and he will give you a new life. What an incredible way to start a new year with new life in Christ. I hope you have an incredible new year. I hope that you step into 2022 with a fresh momentum and a fresh perspective and that you maintain it all the way through this new year.